listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. I believe that there's somebody online right now and that you just tuned in and you're watching and wondering if you could ever belong if you'd ever be good enough if you've ever ever be accepted and I just I just keep hearing the words over and over again you belong you already belong you already belong I saw you the moment that you were born called you by name the moment you were born. I watched you. I was with you. I walked with you. I've always been with you. You belong. You belong. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you, praise and worship team. encouragement this morning for us and and I believe a word a word from God to encourage you so I want us to start in Philippians this morning and I read this I read this verse on Wednesday and I want to go a little bit deeper into it and lay a foundation, but Philippians 4, verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Say anything. Anything. Okay. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. Tell God what you have need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So it says, don't worry about anything. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this? Wake up tomorrow morning and never worry again. I bet you if we took a poll, 100% of the people in this room have worried or are worrying about something. I won't take a poll, but we can, we can pretty much guess, right? The world around us, everything you look at, everything you, everything you hear, the people you talk, we should worry, we should worry, you should be worried. We should worry about these things. Why aren't you worried about this? It would be, it would be a cultural... How do I say this? It would be not a cultural norm to not be worried about something. Yet the Bible says, oh, no, don't worry about anything. So I'm like, what's the word anything mean? This is going to blow your mind. Anything means anything. It means nothing. It means not no one or not one thing. Do not worry. So the Bible says, do not worry about anything, nothing. Not one thing, not one person. Don't worry about it. 
And instead of your worry, meaning probably you're going to um, be led to worry or be encouraged to worry about something. So he says, instead of that, pray about everything. Everything means everything. All, every, whosoever, and whatsoever. All manners of each, every, any, and all. Everything. Pray about it all. And I, I got stuck on this verse, and I got stuck on it because I think that we don't pray about everything. Instead, we worry about everything. We may pray about some things. And I began to think about it, and I began to wonder if the reason why we don't pray about everything is one, maybe we think God doesn't care about everything. That there's the big things, you know, their health, we could pray about that. We could pray about sometimes when the finances, but, but actually every little thing, does God really want to hear those things? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Pray about everything, all of it. And then I thought, I wonder if we don't pray about everything because we think that our prayers need to be super eloquent and full of lots of words and full of lots of scripture. And so we shy away from it because we think prayer should look like something. And I can't attain that. There are prayers. There are people that can pray up a storm. And, and it amazes me. It's like, how did you come up with that many words? Anyone ever? Like, right? And then I go to pray and I'm like, God, help. Amen. And think that he's going to listen to that person's prayer, but not mine, because mine should have been filled with more. But that's not true. Your prayer is something that comes from your heart. It is your communication with God. My husband does not have a lot of words. I have a lot of words. He doesn't. But when he speaks, <laughs> when he has something to say, it's usually to the point in very black and white. He gets, he gets the point across. Or when he speaks, it comes from his heart. He doesn't write me poetry, but when he tells me he loves me, it, it, it's sincere. God isn't looking for a lot of words. He isn't looking for you to scream and jump up and down for your prayer to be heard. He's looking for you to bring everything to him. And how amazing is it that we can come to this place and say, you know what, you don't need to worry. Adam, Adam, no more worrying. No, no, no. If you find yourself worrying, stop for a moment. That means you need to pray. Because I don't want you to worry about nothing. I just want you to talk to me and then leave it there. Joyce Meyer said, um, one time about this verse she said I'm, I'm not going to spend time in prayer and then leave prayer and continue worrying 
then I've wasted my time. I'm going to go into prayer and I'm going to leave it there because the Bible says, don't worry. And then it says, so, so you pray about everything, you worry about nothing, and then, and then the peace of God. It says, and then, what, once you do those things, you don't worry and you pray, then the peace of God which exceeds anything you can understand. In other words, you, you could be in the middle of some crazy stuff where, where the, everyone else will look at you and be like, aren't you worried? You should worry. I'm not worried. I don't understand. Me neither. It's the peace of God. It exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, worry often opens your heart up to distraction, to anxiety, to pain, to things that God doesn't want you to. He says, no, 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 no. You don't want to worry. You want to pray so that the peace of God can come in and guard your heart. Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. You need peace to guard your heart. And then it goes on in verse 8. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing then, the God of peace will be with you. He says, fix your thoughts. Fix them. In other words, you're gonna have to think about it. In other words, what are you fixated on? What are you looking at? What have you, what have you fixed yourself on? Is it lovely? Is it true? Is it right? Is it honorable? Is it pure? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? I've said this before. You've heard me say it many times. There are things that I cannot give myself to. The stuff going on in the world today, I just, I can't. I can't, I can't go there. And so I have to put up, I have to put up guards for myself because I will fixate. I know myself, you know yourself, you know what you'll fixate on. You know what trips you up, don't go there. You, you gotta fix your thoughts. My dad used to golf. And, um, I used to go, I think, I don't know, it was probably every Saturday, and he would go and hit a bucket of balls. And while he was hitting a bucket of balls, I would take golf lessons from a guy named Pete. And, um, you know, I, I can't golf, so don't ask me to go golfing with you, because I could tell you how to golf, but I can't and actually do it. But I know the rules, and I know the steps. And, and one of the things I do know, and I bring it up every time we play mini golf, is I do know the rules of how to stand 
when you want to hit on the, on the green putting, um, when you want to hit the ball into the hole. That there's an alignment that you line your body up in such a way that you point your toe and you look at the hole and you make sure you're lined up for it. You, you fixate yourself on the goal so that the ball follows suit. Or, or when you're driving, I was, I just um, was driving with someone a couple of days ago and he was a great storyteller, but he kept looking at me while he was driving. And he kept like, right, right. And, and it was just, it was like the day it snowed, right? And so he's like, blah, blah, blah. And we kept going this way. And I was like, literally not the one driving, but like watching him like, oh, oh, the ditch, the ditch again. Oh, the ditch, you know? But, but he, every time he fixated on me, he would veer the wrong way. You, you got to keep your eye on the road. You got to, where am I headed? Where am I supposed to be going? It's the same thing with your thoughts. What, what am I fixating on? Because that's the way I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to head. I'm going to begin walking that way. And a lot of times when I begin to fixate on things that I shouldn't be fixating on, I begin to let go of my peace. And I, and I begin to get into worry. I get into fear. And so that's why God says in his word, just so gently, like, hey, don't worry. We've, we've created a culture of worry. You should be worried about that. Duff, you should be worried. Are you worried? You're not worried. You should be worried. Well, I trust God. Oh, that's good, Duff. I'm glad you trust God, but you should be worried. Instead of, Duff, I'm worried, we should pray. Let's pray, let's leave it there. Go over to James 5.16 with me for a second. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, do you know who a righteous person is? You are. If, if you've received Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. His spirit lives in you. You are righteous. God sees you as righteous. So, you, the earnest prayer of you, has great power and produces wonderful results. The Amplified says it produces tremendous power. Excuse me. It says that it tremendous power is made available to those that pray. So when I pray, there is tremendous power. And wonderful things happen. That's what the Bible says. So why am I spending time worrying? When I can take, when I can, when I can take it to the Lord and say, not with amazing 
crazy, eloquently said words, I can just say, God, you are good, I know you are. And you work all things out. So I'm bringing my children to you. I'm not gonna worry about it. But God, I'm asking you to intervene. Make a way where there, there is no way. I, I, God, I need you to do something, my children. Or whatever it is, I'm just gonna leave it there. God, I know. And you know what the crazy thing that gets me every time is like, I'll get into this rut of worrying instead of praying. And I worry and I worry and, I, and you know, I, I'm sure we all do this. We're like, worry about it and I stress about it and I get sick to my, my stomach turns about it. And I do all of those things. And then I'm like, I get this crazy idea, like I should pray. And so then I start praying about it and the situation begins to turn around and I'm like, I should have prayed from the beginning. Like, how do I forget? How do we forget? Prayer works. Prayer has tremendous power. And it produces wonderful results. Okay, I laid the groundwork. Let's go to Isaiah. Um, We're going to go to Isaiah 37. I'll just talk from Isaiah 36 just for a second. This is the story of King Hezekiah. And, and King Hezekiah uh, was a king, obviously. And he had a prophet. The man of God that he would go to was Isaiah. There was a king of Assyria, bad king, wanted to take Hezekiah out, wanted to take the land of Judah, wanted them out. Wanted to, wanted to do damage, and so he started threatening them, showing up and saying, Hezekiah, I'm going to take you all out and all the things, okay? I'm just going to read. I'll just read from 36 for a second in verse 4. This is what the king of Assyria said to some of Hezekiah's men, some of his closest men. And this is what the king of Assyria, the bad guy, says to Hezekiah. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? Is it Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, it will be like a reed that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of, of Egypt, he's completely unreliable and then he says but perhaps you say to me we are trusting in the Lord but isn't he the one who has was insulted by Hezekiah didn't Hezekiah tear down the shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah and Jerusalem worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem he says I will tell you what strike a bargain with my master the king of Assyria and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you can find that many men to ride on him. Can you see? He's, he's mocking him. Are you saying you're going to trust in God? That's funny. Oh, are, are you actually going to fight us? I will, I'll give you some horses if you even have enough people to fight us, to, to get on the horses we give you, please. He says, with your tiny army... 
How can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops? Even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers, what more do you think? What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. Have you ever had, ever had those thoughts come to you? First he says, you think that your, your mere words are going to work? In other words, do you think that your little flimsy prayer is going to do anything? Who do you think you are? Are you trusting in God? <laughs> he even says, isn't, isn't God even mad at you? Isn't God? Look at what you've done. What kind of a sinner are you? Look at the things you just did. Are you trusting? Do you actually think God's going to come through? You think you're actually strong enough to fight me? <laughs> this battle's already been won, buddy. This, ever, ever gone through that? And then he says, don't you think the Lord already told us to do this, to fight you? Ever had those thoughts? Well, maybe this sickness is because I, I deserved it. Maybe God is giving me this sickness to teach me something. Ever had those thoughts? Maybe it's because I didn't do something right. Maybe that's, maybe God brought this on purpose. Do you see what he's doing there? Ever had those thoughts? Yeah, so you, so you think you're going in like, and what I'm showing you here is, is God saying, just bring it to me in prayer. Just, just don't worry about it, just bring it to me. But then we go through this, well, what if, can I trust him? But maybe he's mad at me. Maybe I can't sit and talk with him. So he begins taunting him. The enemy begins taunting them. And then, and then Hezekiah's men say, you know what? Can you just stop talking in Hebrew? We don't want the people to hear. I can't remember what language it says. They said, talk to us in Aramaic. Can you talk to us in Aramaic? We speak Aramaic. We don't want the people to hear what you're saying. And then he says... Uh, the king of Assyria's men say, oh, no, no, we want the men to hear. We want everyone to hear what we're about to say. We want them all to know that they're going down. And so they begin to speak in Hebrew so that everyone can hear. And again, they begin to taunt, saying, who do you, who do you think you are? And then Hezekiah had commanded all the people, when he comes, don't say a word, don't. Your mouths will get you in trouble. Don't even reply. And so it says the people just stood there and listened and nobody said a word. Sometimes our mouths get us in trouble. That we begin spouting doubt and unbelief. And you know what? That's what the enemy waits for. I got, oh, there we go. I got them. I'm going to grab these words and run with it. So we go, to, we go to chapter 37 here. And the men go to Hezekiah and they tell him, this is everything that's gone down. And so Hezekiah goes to Isaiah, which is his prophet. It is his man of God. It's like his point of contact with God, okay? 
he goes to Isaiah and he, and he says, he says to Isaiah, today is a day of trouble, insults, and disgrace. It's like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver the baby. But perhaps the Lord your God has heard the Assyrian chief of staff sent by the king to defy the living God and will punish him for his words. Oh, pray for those of us who are left. King Hezekiah says to Isaiah, this is a day of trouble, of insults and disgrace. And I almost, I was reading this and I almost felt that for us. I felt that that's what people are like. This is the day. This is the hour we're in. It's, there's trouble. There's, there's insults being, there's just, I feel like I'm under, and I don't know what you're going through. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's at home personally, if it's the world in general, but you're like, I feel this. I feel the weight of it. And then he, he goes, it's like this. He's like, Isaiah, it's like this. It's like when a mother is supposed to bring forth the baby, but she has no strength. And I felt like it's like, I, I know that I'm supposed to be moving forward. I know there's something that I'm supposed to be doing, but I feel like I can't even get my step forward. That I can't even bring forth what I'm supposed to bring forth because I feel the weight of this. And this is what Isaiah says to Hezekiah. Verse six. This is what the Lord says. Isaiah says this. This is what the Lord says, Hezekiah. Do not be disturbed. Do not be disturbed. And I heard that for us this morning. You may feel the weight of it. You may feel like the enemy may be after you. He may be attacking your mind. He may be attacking your body. He may be attacking your family, your finances, your business, your work, whatever. It may be just the weight of the world right now. And you're like, I feel like I'm under it. It is zapping my strength. And I hear the Lord say to you today, do not be disturbed. By this blasphemous, blasphemous speech against me from the, from the Assyrian king's messengers. He says, listen, I myself will move against him. And the king will receive a message that he is needed at home, so he will return to his land where I will have him killed with a sword. So he says, don't, I know you're hearing a lot of things. There's a lot going on. Do not be disturbed. And God says, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. Okay. So that's the word for us right now. So then right after that, verse 8. Meanwhile. Meanwhile. The Assyrian chief of staff, these are the bad guys, left Jerusalem and went to consult the king of Assyria, who had left Lashish and was attacking Libna. Okay, because there's a lot of big words in this next one. I'm just going to paraphrase it for us. The king, bad guy, King Assyria, is about to go to fight another place. There, he knows there's some guys coming against him to fight, okay? And he, he stops his men and says, let's send Hezekiah another message, okay? Now, I want us to put this in perspective. King Hezekiah, good guy. He gets a message from the Lord. 
do not be disturbed. Don't you be disturbed. I will take care of it. It's like, okay. And so he leaves. It would be equivalent to us showing up here on a Sunday morning and me saying, the Lord says, do not be disturbed. Don't be disturbed. God's got this. Give it to him. Do not worry. And we're all like, yes, okay, not going to be disturbed. Meanwhile, we leave here and the enemy comes with another message. Look at the message that, that King Assyria sends. So he's King Assyria, bad guy, just about to go and fight a battle. He stops his men and says, let's send Hezekiah a message. This is the message for King Hezekiah. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the king of Assyria has done wherever they have gone. They have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? Such nations as Gazan, Haran, Rezepeth, oh, good Lord, and the people of Eden who were in Teleser. My predecessors destroyed them all. What happened to the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of somewhere else and Hena and Iva? He says, don't let your God get you to hold on to promises. Don't. Who do you think you are? King Hezekiah just receives the message from the Lord. Don't you be disturbed. Whatever it is you're going through, don't you be disturbed. Hold on to this. Listen to me. Hold on to this. Meanwhile, the enemy shows back up and says, you holding on to those promises again? Those promises you've been holding on to? Oh, you're deceived. Who do you think you are? I know all the things you've done. I know the things you do. How many times you've tripped up? Never mind. Remember that person that fought that? How did that turn out for them? What makes you think you're any different? Anybody had these thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. This is how the enemy works. And this is what Hezekiah does. Okay? He gets the letter. Verse 14. He just receives this letter. Don't let the Lord deceive you. <laughs> if you think you're any different says verse 14 after Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it he went up to the Lord's temple and he spread it out before the Lord and Hezekiah prayed the prayer before the Lord 
O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words of defiance against the living God. Is it true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have a... Excuse me. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all of these nations. And they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course, the Assyrians could destroy them because they were not gods at all. Only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. Then all of the kingdoms of earth will know that you alone are God. What did Hezekiah do? He took what was going on and he went before the Lord and he laid that letter down and he began to pray. These are the threats, God, yes. I have seen battles won. I have seen him. I've, I've seen him take out people. I've, I've seen people lose their life. I have seen it. But then he begins to remind himself and God. But you are God. You're the king of every kingdom. You win every time. And he spreads it out. And I felt to, I felt to encourage us that, that God says, hey, you need to begin to spread it out before me. There's not one thing that's insignificant that you're carrying. Yeah, there may be people around you that are fighting bigger battles. Maybe, doesn't matter. Bring it to me. Lay it out. Lay it out. And then look at this. So then Isaiah begins to prophesy, but then look at this, verse 636. So Hezekiah lays it out. He begins to pray. He reminds himself who God is. If all that you can, if all you know is that God is good, that's all you can say, God, I, I know you're good. Or, or all you can say is, God, I know you're loving. I know you love me. I know it. Whatever it is, say it. Say that. Stop believing the lie that it has to be this, this big, massive, eloquent, well spread out prayer. You say what you can say, you say it. Verse 36, that night, that night, the angel of the Lord went out into the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then the king of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. Yeah, he did, because now he was scared. 
One day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his God, not our God, he was worshiping Nisroch, his two sons killed him with their swords. Then they escaped to the land of Eret, and another son became the king of Assyria. But I want to point out the words, that night. The angel of the Lord took care of it. That night, Hezekiah, knowing what he was absolutely up, up against, went, prayed, spread it out before God. And that night, while he was sleeping, God took care of it. That there is a place that you can go and say, okay, I prayed about it. And now I'm not going to carry it. I'm not going to worry about it. And while I rest in his goodness, while I rest in his faithfulness, while I rest in his mercy, while I rest in his love, he's going to take care of it. That night, that night, some of us are losing sleep, not able, not able to sleep because we're worrying, because we're carrying, because we're trying to figure out the solution when honestly, most of you, you don't have the solution. what you're carrying today. I don't know if it's health. I don't know if it's family. I don't know if it's just plain worry. Pray. Pray. Spread it out before him. God, this is, this is what I'm up against. The enemy's throwing threats at me. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with my health. I'm struggling with my children. I'm struggling with my spouse. God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I do know that you are good and I do know that you can turn things around. So God, I am asking you, turn it around. In these kinds of times, just like we see with, with, with Hezekiah where he says, we feel like we can't even bring, bring forth. The enemy always tries to come to steal your strength. He'll try to steal your joy. Worry steals joy. Joy is strength. So that you won't bring forth what you're supposed to. And for some of us, this is, this is, God is saying, it's time. It's time for you to bring forth. This is your time now. And you know it in your spirit. This is my time now. I, I know it, but man, I don't even know how. It's like I turn this way and I get hit. And I turn this way and I get hit. And I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying, God. He says, bring it to me. Come on. Every single thing. Stop carrying it. Stop worrying. Two, two more verses and, and then we'll end. Let's go to Hebrews 4.16. 
And this is just a reminder if I can find it. Hebrews 4.14. So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Oh, some of us aren't praying because, because we think that we don't deserve it because we're too weak because our, our struggles don't allow us entrance into the presence of God lies. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weakness for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. So, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I love it that it says he's gracious. It says, then, let us come boldly to the throne of God. Then, then we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I'm in need of grace. I'm in need of help. It says, oh yeah, you've got weaknesses. I know, I see them, but you come boldly. You, you're my daughter. You're my son. Come. What are you standing in the back for? Come here. Why aren't you bringing everything to get over here? Well, I'm not sure, God, if I'm on the list. On the list. You belong to me. There's no rule list. I'm not Santa Claus. I'm not checking to see if you're naughty or nice. You just come. I got Christmas on the brain, okay? I like Christmas. But, but I mean, think about it. We think this way. We get tripped up this way. Well, I don't know if you really want to talk to me today after what I did last night. Talk to you. It's my joy to hear your voice. you come boldly. You just get over here. You ever seen a little kid, a toddler, before they learn manners when your parents are like, or two adults are talking, the kid's like, mom, mom, Jordan still does this to his mom, but he hasn't learned. <laughs> but you ever seen a little kid like, mom, 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 mom. It's like, just wait, I'm talking. Okay, mom, mom, mom. It's like, no, you know what manners. Okay, this is what God's saying. You come boldly. Get in here. Boldly. Why? Because you deserve to be here. I paid a price for you. Get over here and tell me, you stop worrying. Get here right now. What do you need? Look at me. What do you need? I need you to take care of this. Okay. Okay. Here's some peace. Okay last. This is the last verse I'm going to leave you with. It's in Habakkuk 2.3 and I, and I felt this for those that are standing believing. I 
felt this as a promise for you to hold on to. Chapter 2, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse verse 3. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. Sometimes I have written in the side of my Bible as God was talking to me, sometimes my faith begins to die in the waiting. But the Father knows what you have need of. And he hears you every time. So if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. You're holding on to the promises, wait patiently. For it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. It will not be delayed. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to begin to, I just want you to take a moment. Close your eyes and just, just begin to think of the places of this. Yeah, I have been carrying worry. been struggling with some things I I have thought that I wasn't good enough or I didn't belong or I couldn't come boldly or whatever whatever it is and I want you to take this moment and say God here it is I'm laying it out before you I'm laying it out before you God where the enemy has come and, and just kept trying to hit me and just kept trying to hit me. I'm, I'm just going to look forward here. And I'm just going to place it at your feet. I just hear the Lord saying in this moment, it's time for you to return to your places. And when he says return to your places, return to the position, to the place of prayer. Every single one of you here, all of you here, your position, prayer, you're heard in that place. just thank you for the tremendous power made available to us when we pray. And Father, that we would remember this as we go. That Father, that Holy Spirit, that you would bring up into us the moment that worry begins to try to set back in. That Lord, we would remember in this moment, this is 
this is my warning. This is my place that I need to turn and, and give it to you. And Father, that we would live lives daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, days of prayer, Father. That this would be a turning point for us in our hearts and in our lives to see that tremendous power. And that we would fix our thoughts on things that are pure and lovely and worthy of praise. And that faith rises up in us, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. that we would be people that run that run boldly to the throne room of God in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Father Father, I just thank you for miracles. That there are those that have been, that there are those that have been believing and holding on to promises, God. And the enemy has tried every angle and tried to come and tried to, and Father, I just thank you that now it comes forth in Jesus' name. Now it comes forth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your goodness. People of prayer, people back into position. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Adam, thank you. information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.